he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. Gotta get me a gay, Mickey. Gotta get a gay. Well, hello, and welcome to the second episode of In the Details, a celebration of nuance. My name is Colin Drucker, but you probably already know that, so this is just a friendly reminder. First of all, first of all, start with gratitude, right? Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who listened to the first episode and to the folks who left reviews on iTunes already and left, like, positive ratings, like... I'm not going to go deep into it, but I'll just tell you this. I was like super nervous about releasing the first episode. And I, I didn't, I didn't expect that until I think I was like doing it or like about to put it out. And I realized, oh my God, like, ugh. first of all, like before I even recorded it, I think I like wrote like eight pages of a script. And then I was like, what are you doing? Why are you scripting this? And that there's nothing wrong with scripting it. I know lots of podcasters, especially if you're a solo podcaster, you know, you write a script because it is kind of hard to just like riff. Um, and you want to make sure you hit all your points. And I totally get that. But I realized that I, I, I'm not, I do not know how to read something off the page um, and have it not sound like I'm reading it off a piece of paper, you know, for the first time. Let's get into what today's episode is about. Now, long before In the Details ever existed, I knew that there would be some opportunity in my life to talk about either actresses that I love, scenes that I love, monologues that I love, best supporting actress winners that I am particularly fond of. Um, I thought somewhere in my life that opportunity is going to present itself. And when it does, first things first... I am going to talk about 1977's Best Supporting Actress winner, Beatrice Strait. Now, you might be wondering, who the hell is Beatrice Strait? And if you are, and that's fine, because isn't it great to learn about someone new? And if you're not wondering that, then it's like, well, hello. Please sit down and get comfortable. I'm so happy you're here. Um, I'm happy you're all here, but, you know, I'm just giving you a special welcome for uh, knowing what we're in for. She's also probably most well-known for playing Dr. Lesh in Poltergeist. And I don't want to dive too deep into that movie or that performance because, spoiler alert, I have an entire episode planned on Poltergeist. Now, I'm just going to say this. Three very important words. Joe... Beth Williams. Where's her Oscar? I, I, that's more than three words. I know, I know, but it has to be said. But anyway, that is not what we're here to talk about, and I don't want to get too far off track. Um, I want to stick to Beatrice Strait, and I want to point out a few fun things I found uh, as we lead our way to really diving in the details, you know, the name of the podcast, uh, of this amazing scene of Network. Now, I feel like most people kind of say, oh, yeah, this is the, um, in terms of Best Supporting Actress winners, this is the shortest performance. Um, and technically, I, I think it is. I think a lot of other people feel that way. Not that this is, like, some big controversial thing that people are, like, sitting around talking about. And if they are, I'd love to be a part of that conversation. Um, but, uh, of course, Judi Dench was in Shakespeare in Love in 1998. And I think that she's credited for, like, eight minutes of screen time. And uh, Beatrice is, we're on a first-name basis, Beatrice is uh, credited with eight minutes, or no, she's credited with 10 minutes of screen time. But honestly, like in network, she is, 
I think she pops up in like two other scenes that are, you know, they're just kind of like um, exposition kind of scenes. It's nothing uh, really award worthy, right? It's all about this one scene, this one confrontation. She plays William Holden's uh, wife, Louise. Uh, William Holden is, uh, his character Max is having an affair with Faye Dunaway's Diana at the uh, television network where they work. And of course, he has revealed that to Louise. And this uh, scene that we're going to be talking about today is, um, it's, it's a lot of things. I think what's incredible about it is it's like, it is like five minutes and yet you go on this like huge journey and it really is all her. I mean, we talked all last week. I'm doing that we thing again. I can't help it. It really, I just mean like I was talking to you, you know? Um, but we talked last week about face journeys, you know, and this is like, this is beyond a face journey. There are certainly like, there are steps on the path that go on, you know, in her eyes and, and, and certain, you know, facial changes. But like, I think what's so interesting about Beatrice Strait's acting is that she has, it's almost like it's, it, it's kind of like how Meryl Streep has a very distinctive voice. And I guess maybe some people don't like that. Um, but I feel like Beatrice Strait is similar. She has a very distinctive voice. She has a very sort of distinctive lilt and it kind of makes everything she's saying sound kind of interesting. So, uh, I mean, what a great quality to have, right? And I, I don't think that's what her performance at Network is resting on. I think that it's just a tool that she's using, you know? Uh, I think that she's just, like, she's an incredibly trained actress. She was a part of, like, the original actor studio with Marlon Brando. I mean, she's just... Uh, she's incredible. And while I was doing my research on her, I was trying to find, because she doesn't have like an extensive film career. I've mentioned Poltergeist. There's some other movie called like The Promise with Stephen Collins, who's like a, you know, dirtbag. But I think it's something about like his, uh, his his girlfriend. They get She gets into a car accident and then she like gets horribly disfigured. And then um, the his, his mother does not approve of her. And so she and, the, and Beatrice Strait plays the mother and, and uh, she tells him that the girlfriend has died. And meanwhile, the girlfriend gets like a new face and moves to a new place. And I don't really know what happens from there. I just kind of watch the trailer. But Beatrice Strait looked great in it, but I'm probably not going to watch it. So before we dive into the scene, I want to sort of flash forward to the Oscars, the 1977 Oscars, uh, in which she did win the Academy Award. In case you did not realize, take a drink. The number of times I'm going to mention it. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's notable for a couple of reasons, other than just her um, incredible performance in such a short amount of screen time. Uh, the award was presented by Sylvester Stallone and Muhammad Ali, and they did this entire bit um, of like, you know, shadow boxing each other on the stage. It was really, it was actually, it was, it was, ended up being very sweet. And Sylvester Stallone was like such a class act. He was like, oh, it's such an honor to be standing here with this man now. This is incredible. And, um, and it was this moment of like, oh my God, your name is Sylvester Stallone. You're basically a drag queen. You know, I was just like, who are you? I mean, you know, no shade against Sylvester Stallone. I always think, didn't he like sell his dog? And then when he wrote the script for Rocky and then he made the money and he bought the dog back. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a good person. I have nothing against him. I just think that's such a, that's such a showy name. Um, anyway, so I went to find her acceptance speech on YouTube, which is how I saw all of this. And 
then when I was scrolling down into the comments, because I was like, oh, what are other people saying about Beatrice Strait's Academy Award-winning performance in Network and her subsequent acceptance speech? And of course, all the comments were about Muhammad Ali and Sylvester Stallone. And I'm, I get that. Yeah, I know. I get it. And I'm like, oh, what a legend. And oh, you know, it was Sylvester Stallone. I can't believe, like, uh, the, look how young he looks or whatever. People were just very focused on what was happening in, like, the first two minutes of the clip and not what was happening in the rest of the clip. And so I'm scrolling through the comments and I'm like, where are, where is the love for Beatrice? Uh, and then, then I get to this comment from a year ago from uh, John Swarry, and I'm going to spell it for you because it should be named. Uh, J-H-O-N, we're off to a great start. S-W-O-R-I, well, what is that? What is this, an anagram? And he says... And, I, and I, this is verbatim. I'm just reading it off the, the screen. Who care for Beatrice in this video? 47 likes. My heart sank. Who cares? So thank God there were a series of replies. And I was like, well, this is the do or die moment. Like, there's either hope for this world or there isn't. How do people respond to this moment? Well, thank God. Someone whose uh, name on YouTube is in all capital letters, independent film channel. Uh, and then I scrolled, I was like, oh, are you like the independent film channel? And they are not. They did say in response, I do, she was great, and R.I.P., which, you know, was sweet. But then, then I'm like, oh, I'm feeling good about that. There's nine likes on that comment. I'm like, okay, there's 10 of us. Um, there's 11 of us, including independent film channel, who are endorsing this comment. But then Edith, Eden Messy, not Edith Massey, Eden Messy responds, majority doesn't, LOL, three likes, there's four people I got to worry about. So uh, then I see uh, Fabinho Dantas Flappers. Love the name, all three of them. And he says, in moments like this, I feel happy for B minority. I'm just reading off the screen, guys. I'm not trying to be offensive. He got eight likes with me. That's nine. I knew what he was trying to say, and so was I. I was happy to be, if, if the majority doesn't care about Beatrice Strait right now, then I don't want to be in the majority. Then I'm just about to take my earrings off for the next one who's going to come for her. And, and Stein Chen TV says, I do. I came because I heard she was in the movie for less than six minutes and won an Oscar for that. And he got one like, and I said, yeah, okay, that's a great reason. And, and then I'm feeling pretty good about myself because then Andre Bellarmino comes in, all capital letters, eight exclamation points, I do. That is, in parentheses, or should be, uh, capital letters, her moment. At this point, Andre is speaking for me. He's speaking for all of us, right? And then he goes on to say, in fact, despite of Stallone and Ali Circus, that was her moment. She, all capital letters, was the one who won an Academy Award. I forgive the typos when the sentiment is so good. His head may have been other places. His fingers may have been God knows where, but his heart was in the right place. Um, oh, and then Andre says uh, below that comment, so do I. So I don't know which one came first, whether he just needed to kind of like get all that out and then thought mm, maybe a sensible response. Maybe all of those are internal feelings. And he just forgot to delete the first comment. Well, I'll tell you what, Andre, wherever you are, that was the happiest accident you've ever had because I needed to hear your love for Beatrice Strait in that moment because I'm scrolling up and John Swarry is just sitting there with his 47 likes from a year ago just on his high horse, you know? No one cares about Beatrice Strait. Breaks my heart. I wonder about this world.
Um, so anyway, I'm, uh, that's all well and good, but I think we should cut to the good, the, the good stuff. It's all great. Everything's great, but let's cut to Beatrice Strait's acceptance speech because, um, oh no, let's not do that. Rewind record scratch. I probably won't insert that. So you'll just have to use your imagination. We should talk about the other nominees. We should do this right. It's an award show for God's sake, right? Come on, Colin, get your shit together. So, um, the, I have to tell you this. Uh, as much as I love this performance, I recognize that there is a sense of sacrifice um, because the other nominees, I'm not familiar with all of the performances, but I do know all the actresses. There was Jane Alexander in All the President's Men. I had all the evidence. It was destroyed. I don't know who destroyed it. I think Gordon did a lot of shredding. Hard evidence. Well, I can't say that it would positively prove that they planned the break-in, but it would come pretty close. Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver. I mean, they hate me. Why do you think I split in the first place? There ain't nothing there. Yeah, but you can't live like this. It's a hell. A girl should live at home. Didn't you ever hear of women's lib? Lee Grant in Voyage of the Damned. We've had years of being afraid. Years of it, and now it's over. We sold everything to get away. But we'll never escape if we bring that fear with us. And last but not least, and this is the loss, Piper Laurie and Carrie. With a stink of filthy roadhouse whiskey on his breath. I liked it. I liked it. Well, all that dirty touching on his hands up and be all over me. I should have given you to God when you were born. I mean, iconic. Iconic. Ugh. Um, but that being said, um, I, I, you know, I'm still proud because the dark horse, as she claims herself to be, Beatrice Strait, uh, pulled it out. And she looked quite surprised and uh, quite pleased as punch about the whole damn thing. And then she gets up on that stage and you think, oh, man, she could not be prepared for this. She, like, Jodie Foster's over there. She's like seven. And she's, you know, uh, she's, she's acting them out of the water to say nothing of Piper, to say nothing of Lee, to say nothing of Jane. But B was ready. And she honestly gives such a beautiful speech. It's very heavy, and I'm the dark horse. And thank you so much, all of you. It's a great, great thrill for me, and very unexpected. Though I should have known that when I had someone like Paddy Chayefsky writing and saying things that we all feel but can't express, and when we have someone like Sidney Lumet, who makes one want to act forever, and a producer like Howard Gottfried, then how can I miss? But I know that my mother would be delighted. She had great potential for an actress, but didn't think she should do it. So she pushed me and was delighted. And Michael Chekhov, the great actor and teacher who I studied with, who gave me a love and respect for the theater, which is the whole point of why we're all here. It's a great profession, and we have to keep thinking it all the time. And we all do, and we all love it. And I'm so grateful for that. And for a wonderful lady, age 93, who lives here in Los Angeles, who's watching tonight, 
one of our first women directors who directed Paul Robeson in Othello in London, Ellen van Valkenburg Brown, bright as ever, thank you, and last but not least, my husband, who's put up with me for 28 years. Thank you so, so much. Okay, so she gets a little lost in the middle there, and she's like, you know, uh, uh, we all do this because we love it, and we do love it, and it's why we do this, because we love it. And it's like, okay, but you know what? It, Beatrice Strait is gooped. Give her a chance. She'll get herself back on track. I love that little story she ended with, with the, with the director. Um, yeah, she just, she seemed very happy and very dazed. If you watch it, you know, not, um, I will, oh, oh, I should mention this. I have been, um, all of, like the clips that I've been talking about, I have been saving on a playlist on YouTube. I will make this available. I have a YouTube channel. You just look for my name, Colin Drucker. Um, you can subscribe to watch my videos, but then, uh, which would be awesome. Uh, but I'll also make sure there's a playlist available so that you can find all the clips that I'm talking about, including this Oscar performance. And you can scroll down into those comments and find that little comment war that I was um, dealing with earlier. Um, and you can find the clip from Network that I'm talking about today. So all of that will be available. And as much as I can, like, do that, that would be great. I can't always promise that. Sometimes you might have to go digging. But um, I will hopefully be able to promise that it will be worth it if you do have to do some digging. So um, I guess that's subjective, right? Anyway, uh, I think with all of that said, we should get into it. We should dive in the details and uh, talk about this scene. So this first part of the scene is very much like uh, my first episode of In the Details. Um, it's really kind of going on the face journey with her character, Louise, who, is, um, who has asked this question, who has asked the question. How long has it been going on? A month. I thought it was a transient thing, blow over in a week. I still pray to God it's just a menopausal infatuation. But it is an infatuation, Louise. There's no sense in my saying I won't see her again, because I will. Not only are we kind of seeing this, this intense moment between this husband and wife, but I think the setting of their apartment and all of the sort of details of a very lived-in New York apartment, like I think whenever I see someone who's older, when I, when I um, go to their house or their apartment, there's that sense of like, oh, wow, you have like accumulated a life. I think that's a really interesting setting for this because obviously these are all kind of the fixtures of this life that they've built together. And now it's kind of like falling apart inside of itself, you know? Do you love her? I don't know how I feel. I'm grateful I can feel anything. And her reaction has got to be one of my favorite nuances. He, when he says that, like, I didn't even, I didn't see it coming. It's like, she didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. It was like, the answer of, when she asks him, do you love her? The worst answer she thinks of is him saying yes. She did not expect him to say, uh, well, I don't know how I feel, but I'm grateful to feel anything. Like, and she takes that blow real hard and she like turns away. And it's the way that she kind of like turns her head down in a way um, like that she just can't even like bear it and can't even bear to like face him or, or I don't know, face any of that moment. Like it's, it's such interesting body language She's she's kind of acting with her hair a little bit, and I that doesn't. It's not to be like reductive. Like, 
literally every part of her is communicating this and it's not over the top. And I do like how then the, um, the camera changes and we kind of see, we see him realizing that, okay, oh, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. Like it was, it's kind of a go for broke situation, you know? I mean, I'm not sympathizing with him at all, but like, it's like, well, I, you know, this already isn't good. So we might as well just let the whole thing go to shit. And I think then there's that moment of realizing, okay, but like she's still a human being. And I think that's, um, that's really kind of a, an act one gun for where the scene goes. I know I'm obsessed with her. Say it. Don't keep telling me that you're obsessed, that you're infatuated. Say that you're in love with her. I'm in love with her. I feel like this is what she needed. It was like, like, give me enough fuel to launch. And then she does. And this, this first monologue here, I will say what I don't love about it is so much that the camera is focused on William Holden's face for way too much of it. I just think, like, we should be seeing her face. But what she's saying... Get out! Go anywhere you want. Go to a hotel. Go live with her. But don't come back. Because after 25 years of building a home and raising a family and all the senseless pain that we have inflicted on each other. I'm damned if I'm going to stand here and have you tell me you're in love with somebody else. Now, I don't want to interrupt while she's on a roll, but I do just want to give you the, the visual, in case you haven't watched the scene yet, that this is where she goes. She walks out of the kitchen and then, like, through, like, the living room into this, like, TV room. And it's so cool. It's the way that, like, when you're angry and you're just going off on something, you just need to walk while you're doing it. And it's it's great. It's so fluid. It's so natural. I, oh, it almost feels like none of that was rehearsed and she was just going for it. Because this isn't a convention weekend with your secretary, is it, or... Or some board that you picked up after three belts of booze. This is your great winter romance, isn't it? Your last roar of passion before you settle into your emeritus years. Is that what's left for me? Is that my share? She gets the winter passion and I get the dotage? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit home knitting and purling while you slink back like some penitent drunk? I'm your wife, damn it! And if you can't work up a winter passion for me, the least I require is respect and allegiance. And of course, at this point, the fight has kind of, I think, then taken them into, whether this be a TV room or a living room, um, brings them into another room. And at that point, just the end, we see as she turns and faces him, and she's not just getting all of this out, but now she's looking at him, as we then see... I hurt, don't you understand that? I hurt badly. <laughs> she turns away. And it's interesting because he just stands there and watches her. And it's like you you realize, you can't see her face. It's just in the way that she kind of stops herself and the way that she kind of just starts to straighten up. And then she turns around and the look on her face is like, are you even there? Like she she knows that just standing there and crying, he's not, he's not going to help her, that she's alone here. And... She's going to need to, you know, pull herself together for a moment here if she's going to, like, get through this moment. And there's this kind of, like, wifely disappointment. Like, she knows Max. She knows his shortcomings. And this is a, a frustration that has probably come up in their marriage before, um, but certainly the stakes were a lot lower, where it's just like, oh, come on, buddy. Do, can you do something? And, of course, she, she basically says that. She says, oh, say something for God's sake. And he just kind of looks at her. And then, of course, he just says I've got nothing to say 
I guess probably the only thing that there's probably nothing he could say. Right. And so he says, I don't know what to say. And then he hugs her and this, I, I almost like didn't expect this, this change again, when he hugs her, we then, you know, the shot is then of her face kind of over his shoulder in the embrace. And she kind of raises her eyebrows a little bit and kind of purses her lips a little bit. And it's this kind of resolution and also a bit of like, mm, oh, uh, get off of me. You know, like she she pulls herself together. And this next moment is interesting because there's a part of me, I think maybe when I was younger, where I was like, I, I didn't like where the scene went, but now I get it. And I just think the nuance of it where the fact that it turns again, mind you, we have we have changed. We have gone from... Uh, I mean, there was the face journey, then there was the explosion, and then there was like the storming through the apartment and just venting, and there was getting all through those huge words, and then there was um, then there was the the crying, and then there was the um, disappointment, and now there's this sort of resolve. It's like she's done, and I'm, and this. Let me make sure you know this is like think about um, I don't know two minutes of film. She's done all of this in like maybe two or three minutes. It's you know you know what I can tell you exactly. Yeah, it's been about three minutes. Uh, so now she has this kind of knowing look on her face and this, I don't know, the strength that's come back in. Does she love you, Max? I'm not sure she's capable of any real feelings. She's television generation. She learned life from Bugs Bunny. The only reality she knows comes to her from over the TV set. She's very carefully devised a number of scenarios for all of us to play, like uh, movie of the week. Oh, my God, look at us, Louise. Here we are going through the obligatory middle of act two, scorned wife throws peccant husband out scene. But don't worry, I'll come back to you in the end. All of her plot outlines have me leaving her and coming back to you because the audience won't buy a rejection of the happy American family. She does have one script in which I kill myself, an adapted for television version of Anna Karenina, where she's Count Vronsky and I'm Anna. <laughs> you know, she's very sort of patiently, quietly listening to him. And I think there's probably a sense of hope, right? Because he's, he's not in love with her. And he is in an affair that is not making him happy and he's stuck in it. And I guess what's, what I, what I maybe didn't like when I was younger was like, Oh, she should just be rejecting him. I wanted the drama of that. And she kind of does, you know, she, she admits that she won't give him up easily, but says, but you need to move out. And, uh, then when he goes on to explain that, uh, and he makes that joke in the end about Anna Karina and she laughs and it's, it's this like small laugh despite of herself. And it's also, there's just this feeling of like, you do kind of know that this marriage is going to last. You do kind of know that this is going to work out. And she's been with him for so long and they are, they have, they have, you know, blended their lives together so much that like she is going to take on this wound and she's going to heal it and bring him back into her life. And she's made that decision. And 
it's it's an interesting choice and i don't think that makes louise weak and i don't think that means that she is you know endorsing his behavior i think it's just the complexity of marriage and the complexity of relationships and like i have i am 33 right now so they've probably been married longer in this movie than i've been alive so i have no idea what you develop over that time but i think that the idea here is is really what is really what max is saying is like there is this scripted love story that Diana has for him and none of that's real and all of that has an ending and all of it's a bit predictable. But what's real is their marriage and what's sustainable in a way is their marriage because it's not scripted and it doesn't always go according to a plot and it goes in directions you don't expect. And this is a direction that Louise did not expect and yet she still can see further down the road to know that like, she'd like to get them back on track. You're in for some dreadful grief, Max. I know. I think that's such an interesting choice, and I think the fact that she's able to play that in a way that, like, you you do kind of get it and you do sympathize with her, even if you aren't happy with this decision, is, again, just a credit to, like, how many things Beatrice Strait is able to, like, express in one moment. And, again, I can't believe this is really, this is five minutes in total, and she has basically gone on a journey that uh, an actor, some, most actors don't go on in an entire full-length movie, you know? And I think that there are people who feel like, oh, like, you're only in a movie for, like, you know, a, a percentage of the time. Are you, are you really, you know, worthy of getting the Best Supporting Actress Oscar? But I think it's, um, I think it's the economy of this that's so fucking cool. I think it's the fact that, like, she... And nevertheless, figures out how to show you that entire emotional range in five minutes. I mean, that's, that is immense skill. And um, I'm glad she won the Oscar. I think that's so cool. It's a reason to kind of, you know, get your interest peaked. Much like, much like YouTube commenter Steinchen TV, who came to watch that video purely because he heard that someone won an Oscar for six minutes of uh, screen time. Eight minutes, ten minutes, four minutes, five minutes. It's debatable. Now, when I was doing my research on Beatrice Strait, I found two things that I... Um, particularly loved. Um, I'd mentioned, I think, before about how she was in the original actor studio class. She also played Lady Macduff on Broadway, and I just want to mention Lady Macduff is maybe my favorite Shakespeare character. She is also in only one scene. She also gives a ferocious performance in just one scene, uh, defending her children. I love it. I love Lady Macduff. Can I hear it for Lady Macduff? Anyone else who's like, yeah, Lady Macbeth is great. She is iconic. She is a drag queen. Um, but Lady Macduff, I want her story. Um, maybe I'll do a nuanced episode on Lady Macduff and all of the actresses who've played her and any, um, any notable trivia about Lady Macduff. But anyway, enough about Lady Macduff. Take a drink anytime I say Lady Macduff. Jesus. Um, I also found Beatrice Strait was in an episode in 1951. It was this television show called Lights Out. And it was sort of a, you know, a, a spooky anthology show, you know, similar to, a, you know, Twilight Zone, whatever. And she was in an episode called Grey Reminder. And in it, she plays Charlotte, who um, she is the second wife of this guy whose first wife has passed away. And apparently, as her mother-in-law explains, she, the first wife, I think her name was Elsie, was a very, str she was a very strong uh, personality. She was very domineering. She really controlled his life. And so, of course, he's free now with Charlotte. But then Charlotte discovers a letter addressed to her husband from, a, from an admirer, 
And she immediately, I mean, right? Like, doesn't this sound similar? Like, Louise, you know, what's going on? Um, typecasting Beatrice. And so she finds this letter addressed to her husband, and she is... Um, She's sure it might be the maid who who has, you know, the hots for her husband. She just knows that she is betrayed. And then, of course, they they realize the letter is from the dead wife. Elsie is on the way back to get her man, and it is not going to be good for Charlotte. It is going to be lights out for Charlotte. I guess that's why it's the name of the show. Anyway, this is on YouTube. I will... Um, Make sure the link, I make sure the video is saved in that playlist. Um, it's actually like kind of a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. I got a little like tense towards the end. I was really impressed. And it has these commercials, these like, you know, old fashioned TV commercials for like, you know, dishwashing detergent and, and refrigerators. It's great. But I just thought before we wrap things up, I would just play a, a short clip from the scene that does feel eerily familiar to the scene in Network. Darling, tell me this. Did you ever love her? I was infatuated with her. She had a, a tremendous hold over me. It was very strange. Why? Why do you ask? Because I must be sure of something. Very sure before I can help you. If you want me to help. What is it you want to know? Why did you stay with her? The fact that you did makes it seem the letters were more important, much no, more than you told me. No, no, me. I told you all I feel about But them. you haven't told me if you loved her. Love her. I grew to detest her. But then why did you stay with her? I was afraid. Afraid? I was afraid of what she might do. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that like a bizarre coincidence? I thought that was so cool. I thought that was such a fun, like, Easter egg to stumble across. So, uh, in any event, that is, I think, uh, all for today's episode on Beatrice Strait. I am, I am gooped, also gagged, at the opportunity to talk about her for as long as I have. And I am even more gooped, even more gagged, that you listened along. Um, and so if you are feeling what you're hearing, I wish that rhymed, wouldn't that be great? Um, but if you are, then I would love it if you headed over to iTunes and left a little rating review. I know everybody says that, but like, it really does matter. It really does make a difference. Um, I know everyone says that as well. So um, it bears repeating. Uh, anyway, uh, you can also reach out to me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, which is C-O-L-I-N-D-R-U-C-K-E-R. You can also find me on YouTube at Colin Drucker. And if you want to send me an email, you can send it to in the details pod at gmail.com. And otherwise, I will be back next week to continue our celebration of nuance with another episode of In the Details. So you'll later.